0: Welcome to the August edition of BBRO Becast. I'm Francesca Broome, your host and knowledge exchange manager for BBRO. This month we have a mixed bag for you. We are going to have a chat with Vicky Foster, the head of BBRO discussing the virus yellows task force and on-farm stewardship in relation to the use of cruiser sb we'll also catch up with mark stevens for the latest on the virus update and fungicide use and we'll also have a chat with simon bowen to read practical steps for this year's crop and also thinking about cultivations for next so with no further ado let's catch up with mark Thank you for joining me, Mark. Um, I know last month we met in the labs at Norwich to discuss the virus yellows uh, instance and fungicide use. Uh, Here we are a month on and actually the dry weather seems to have been quite kind to us when it comes to foliar diseases. Uh, What are you finding in the
1: field? Uh, Morning, chairs. Yeah, the drought is not helping on lots of fronts at the moment, although I'm still incredibly amazed at just how resilient many of those crops are. But the one thing it is doing uh, is probably suppressing uh, the level of disease that we're seeing in the national crop. It's it's very difficult to find disease. I've been out in crops in Norfolk, Suffolk and Cambridgeshire in the last few days. I can find relatively low levels of powdery mildew on odd plants and a little bit of rust, but that's about it. And it's quite surprising, we're now at the end of July, uh and we are getting lots of questions about whether or not we should be starting fungicide programs Uh, and as we all know on the on labels of products it's at the disease onset and the dry conditions are counterproductive for disease development so rust in particular but also to a degree powdery mildew do need some moisture for the disease to develop and these dry conditions are certainly suppressing that activity so watch it closely uh, things could change if we get thunderstorms or a period of rain and humidity increases, particularly for Cercospora. Uh, and the BBOA Cercospora watch uh, is really worth keeping an eye on to see if things do change. But as we come to the uh, beginning of August, keep an eye on your crops uh, and react accordingly if we start to see disease development. But it's also important to bear in mind that. Crops need to be upright and turgid before you apply any products. Do not spray flat crops. It needs to be active. Uh, and that's also important. But the good news is there's very little disease. And that's also the same from what I'm hearing elsewhere in Europe. So we're not alone in these situations at the moment.
0: And also we were expecting I mean, the, the virus forecast was for potential of 68%, I believe, of the um, crop being affected with virus yellows. But we don't appear to be having anywhere near as much virus as we potentially thought we might have to deal with.
1: Yeah, and, and it's a valid point, Ches. Uh, I think it's a testament to the the, the power and the strength of the treatments that have been applied in uh, this year. That forecast is in the absence of any control strategy. And we do know from all the work that uh, we've been involved in and and, and commercial assessments of crops, there were large numbers of aphids that started to migrate in from the uh, middle end of April right through May and into early June. But those treatments, the use of uh, the NXC treatment on 75% of the crop has clearly suppressed aphid activity. And we're currently reviewing all the aphid data information that BBR has collected and that is clearly what's happened. And as a consequence of that, in addition to well-timed sprays, the levels of virus do seem to be relatively low in most cases. We are aware of certain circumstances where that's not the case, and there was one or two factors that are influential in that, particularly Oil, seed rape and brassica crops, where aphids have been able to overwinter and build up during the spring and then migrate into crops like sugar beet. The, the brassicas aren't the host of the virus, but what they potentially can do is pick up virus from, from weeds nearby and then bring it into the crop. I think one of the big influential issues where we are seeing virus uh, is any beet that's been left in over winter, particularly AD beet, where we know they can be sources of virus uh, and aphids. And you've got to remember, back in January and February, we had mean temperatures for that period around about six degrees, which does not kill the aphids, and they're able to build and bring that into crop. So we're continuing to monitor the crop at the moment to understand the levels of virus. Not quite as easy as it could have been with the drought, uh, causing uh, leaf loss and also some premature uh, yellowing or senescence but hopefully by the end of september we'll get a, a, a total reflection of the season and truly va- appreciate and value the, the levels of protection the treatments that have been deployed have given the industry this year but the good news is at this level levels of virus uh, in the crop are nowhere near what we saw in 2020
0: that is really good news and we will get you back again Mark in October so you can give us a bit of an update on how widespread the virus
1: actually is.
0: And, and what was the effect of the virus on our own trials and particularly what how are things going with Goliath at the moment?
1: Yeah we've got some virus in some of the BBRO trials and in some of the STRIPS trials where we haven't used Neonix uh, and we're it's actually where we've got uh, a split use of Neonix and, and untreated in some of the BBRO sites, we are seeing some quite big differences in virus levels. But the, the, the GLIATH and VERDI trials, where we've got the recommended list inoculated this year with beet mild, beet yellows and for the first time beet chlorosis, as well as Goliath which has got up and coming material. Uh, that was all inoculated back in uh, the third week in May. Alastair and I inspected that trial last week and it's looking uh very uh, encouraging in the fact that the virus is taken we're seeing symptoms and we're also seeing the checkerboard effect so there are varieties that are showing stronger symptoms and and then others and it's great to have that big process data this year for the first time which is really important and the other important factor to note is there's very little virus in the uninoculated area and that's just as important as the area that we've infected with virus because you need that benchmark information to be able to relate back to the performance of varieties and material with and without virus. So everything's looking good. I hope uh, that, uh, yeah, we do get some rain on that because although it was looking good, it was starting uh, to need a little bit of moisture. Uh, and hopefully that will be the case but yeah keep an eye out on the results of that because you know we'll be sharing and discussing that with the breeders and then ultimately with the wider industry as we go into uh, a later season once we get it harvested
0: and I, and I will just pick up on that I mean you talk about the checkerboard effect and you know I good you can see the virus but the most important thing is the the ones that we can't see any virus in at all because mm-hmm. they're the ones that we hope to bring to market sooner rather than later aren't they
1: yeah, definitely, uh, and it's clearly we're on a journey, working very closely with all the breeders, uh, and progress is being made. Although it's only half the story of seeing what you can see in the canopy, it's it's what happens underground with root weight and sugar content that's it's critical. Uh, and also, just a reminder that we are dealing with three viruses, not one, in the virus yellows complex. And ultimately, we need varieties that have protection against virus yellows rather than beat mild or beat chlorosis or beat yellows. So it's just appreciating what's available uh, as we work on this journey to try and find uh, varieties of the future that can stop this particular problem.
0: That's brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time, Mark. Um, always great to speak to you, but I will catch up with you again for Beatcast in October. Yeah, Thank and you. Many thanks to from Mark, we're now going over to speak to Simon, who made the most of some time with Vicky Foster at one of the BBR events and had a quick chat about the stewardship for Cruiser SB-treated crop and the role of the Virus Yellows Task Force. It's quite a windy day, so please bear with them.
2: So Vicky, obviously the cereal harvest is is going ahead quite well for most growers. Land is getting cleared and growers are thinking about obviously crops Uh, autumn planting but I think it's a useful reminder at this time of year that those kind of crop rotation planning needs to take into some kind of broader implications of the cruiser limitations and I think it's probably useful just to remind ourselves some of the things we need to remember if cruiser has been used on seed on some of the things growers need to consider because it might have broader implications for their crop planning.
3: Yeah that's right Simon and as part of the stewardship package that we put together when we submitted the uh, emergency authorisation for Cruiser, There was quite a lot of restrictions around uh, future cropping and future rotations, um, cover cropping, a variety of different things. So where you have used cruiser seed this year, you do need to make sure you're aware of what can and can't be grown in the following couple of seasons. Uh, and also restrictions on when you could use cruiser-treated seed in that same field again, which is again um, has different timescales to it. So um, it is quite complicated. We do have all the information there on the BBRO website. So we've pulled that all together. We've also highlighted that in um, the agronomist bulletins and there also will be a feature in the BEAT review in September as a reminder. But yes, while people are currently thinking about their rotations, what they're going to do next, what they're going to put where on farm, I say particularly around where you're going to use your cover crops, things like that. Just please, please do
2: remind yourself. Of- what you can and can't sow so there is a prohibited list of crops and of course if you use fire on other crops other than sugar beet there's obviously a restriction there isn't there on the time before growing another crop with fire as well so now obviously growers are thinking forward to next year about sugar beet and obviously one of the questions which has been frequently asked is how likely are we going to get another ea or derogation for cruiser next year now there is a there's a whole host of team people looking at that whole issue would you like just briefly kind of explain what's going on behind the scenes and and where we are with that
3: yeah so we actually yeah we have a group that meets every month so we have a our group which we call the virus yellows task force so this is a dedicated group of people and we've got obviously growers on there Uh, we've got British Sugar on there and we've got our technical expertise that sit on that group as well and that is all around making sure that we can plan for the future so not only does it identify things like you know what areas of new research should be done how we're working with the breeders, different things that we could be looking at um, whether that might be how we can use beneficials or all range of different things. We also do things like liaison with government, and I can let you know uh, you know, we have submitted at the end of June, we submitted the EA for the 2023 crop, so that is in the system now, and we will be providing. Um, data from from the season as it comes out. So as we've got the bearish national crop surveys and the monitoring work we do, that will all feed into that decision-making process. And that's going to be reviewed by um, the the relevant authorities that make their decisions in uh, middle of October, we believe. So they will be looking at all the data, they'll be looking at the application, and then they'll be making recommendations to DEFRA. So all being well, we hope we might have an answer before Christmas on whether that derogation has been approved. But again, it will be subject to the virus forecast. So that is a critical forecast that we will publish on the 1st of March. So the seed order process this year has obviously been tailored to take into account that process. So we have this two-stage order this year where you can get your early uh, seeding that you want. And then you can decide later on whether you have cruiser or not on that seed if it becomes available. So we've tried to make sure we can be... As, as proactive as possible to allow growers and planning to be done uh, with as much time as possible so yes that task force really is to try and be ahead of the game and making sure we're covering all bases yes, to, yeah. to give the growers the best information and the best support going forward.
2: and of course at the end of July we're still waiting to see the full extent of virus in the crop but we will be monitoring that and we will be updating uh, government and yes. uh, HSC with that latest information at an appropriate yes. time so we're constantly in contact exactly as that comes speak.
3: through we're getting we have meetings with with HSE and DEFRA every month uh, and we're providing them with new information as and when it comes through so you know they're very much up to date with exactly what's happening this year so they've got the best information for uh, informing their decision making.
2: Fantastic Vicky thanks for bringing us up to speed on that That that's really useful.
0: Now let's continue the conversation with Simon finding out what you need to be doing in the field in the next few weeks and thinking forward for your crop for next year. So Simon, you've spent quite a bit of time with growers in the last couple of days, haven't you, with our beet field events? What are the main concerns for them for next year's crop when it comes to
2: cultivations? Well I think growers are just beginning to kind of think about that and it's absolutely right they do because obviously cereal harvest is progressing. A lot of winter barley is done now. People are into their winter wheat. Let me just go through some of the things I think need thinking about. I think the first one which comes to me and because conditions are so dry uh, and actually we know... Uh, land going into sugar beet if it needs subsoiling so we know that's best suited to really dry conditions so i think you know have a look at the uh, fields destined for this year and you've probably got a feel for how well some of the crops have grown in them this year where there might be some problems Uh, but certainly uh, think about subsoiling and let's do that while conditions are an optimum now i think the other one which we have had some concerns about, and uh, obviously it's going to be a challenge. You're just getting cover crops established. So obviously we know sugar beet can benefit from from cover crops for a whole host of reasons, but actually within the dry conditions, it's going to be challenging. So I think we just need to hold off, and hopefully we will get some rain, which will improve chances of emergence. But I think preserving soil moisture, what's left, means we probably want to lo- move the soil as, as little as possible. Probably think about seed rates; we might need to increase them slightly if it is a little bit dry, particularly for species such as clovers and vetches. We may even want to something up rolling them just to preserve moisture. But I think just have a think about that. We're very positive about cover crops, but when we get them in in August and get them established, they tend to be better because they produce more biomass but it could be challenging what depending on the rain we get or the rain we don't get over the next few weeks the other one is about application of manures Obviously, there were some concerns last year when the EA put their RPS out around uh, limitation of auto application of manures. Just to remind you that that has now been withdrawn and there's some new rules around that We were issued in June 22. It gives us a lot more flexibility to put manures on in the autumn. I think there's just some conditions around there which require us to know how much readily available nitrogen is in them. And in situations where there's more than 30%, there are a few more controls. I haven't got time to go through them all now because there's lots of conditions and etc but just understand it is an option uh, uh, we know from our work and particularly from initiatives like the byc that sugar beet responds really well to applications and particularly where we can get them on in the autumn
0: can you just give us a little bit more detail about it, as to where growers need to go for all that
2: information so if you just go onto to gov.uk and, and put in rules for rules for water it will actually bring up the very latest device. They reissued it in June of this year, June 22. Right. So make sure you're looking the right one. The the old EA, what we call the regular policy statement was withdrawn and actually the NFU did some fantastic work in lobbying to kind of push back on that and they've actually withdrawn now and they've got a new statement Uh, and it is a little bit complicated because you just understand it's by soil type. It's about amount amount of uh, readily available nitrogen and, and some other things you need to manage, but actually it does give some flexibility to put manures on in the autumn one of the other ones i was thinking about ahead to next year is something again we've been talking about recent grow meetings about beet cyst nematode we are concerned that you know there is probably between 20 and 30% of sugar beet land infected with beet cyst nematode but we don't have any recent data on that and we have had a number of uh, cases confirmed at the plant clinic this year and probably these dry conditions have identified some patches in the field now sampling now is not not the ideal time you really want to sample in the autumn when there's a bit more moisture. But if you have seen some patches, it's probably worthwhile is marking those up now and going back to soil sample in the autumn and i think the message is think think about that in land going into sugar beet next year we've got five bcn tolerant varieties on the rl so you will have choice now it does look you might have to make that choice before you actually can do the soil sampling because i think we understand there's going to be a seed order coming out in the middle of august but i think you'll you'll hopefully be in a position to make some knowledge in that if you're not sure you may want to think about getting one of those varieties into your toolkit and particularly some of the new varieties have come on to the list And there's no yield loss
0: And of those five varieties As you say there's really good yield for them But mm. although we know that There's 20 to 30% of BCN out there we probably only sell about 15% of BCN-tolerant varieties. So there clearly is a number of growers that are not taking advantage of the new varieties.
2: Yeah, no, and that's a really good point. There is a mismatch, isn't there? So managing a nematode problem is much better to do it at an earlier stage before the nematode populations get too large. And those BCN-tolerant varieties, as well as tolerating nematodes, they will help restrict the population. may also have to think about your rotation as well, which is why it's a good thing just to be... Just to be thinking about now. Uh, I think another one, actually, a couple of other comments about varieties, uh, because obviously we have been looking at the varieties that are recent open days. Is think about their performance so as you get into harvest uh, you know and we start harvesting beet i know we're probably a month or two off that yet but make sure you have you, you have an opportunity to capture how some of the varieties have performed this year uh, obviously because we you know they have suffered under the dry conditions and there's no doubt some of those varieties on your particular ad might have done better than others so when they do go in just have a look at them and make sure you can kind of separate them and you know what varieties you can attribute to different fields so you can say, say that performance because that might help you guide to where you want to put your varieties for next year onto lighter, heavier land or earlier and later harvest dates. We Beet, I think, is the one to consider. Uh, again, obviously, there's some, there's some really weedy beet crops out there. Uh, I think think about your land next year because we do have tools such as this smart technology. And again, some growers have said they're going to use that next year to help deal with uh, weed beet issues. So think about those lands, you know, and hopefully it won't be a surprise to you. And, and think about how you, ma- you manage that.
0: And really, growers have missed the time to deal with weed beet for this year, haven't they? Because yes, most of the already gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, if you haven't looked after it this year, then you are facing a problem for the future, aren't you?
2: Yeah, I mean, there may be some very severely affected fields where we may have to get into kind of weed wiping and cutting, even, but that's really last ditch uh, emergency behavior. So, we don't want to do that. I think my other comments, Chess, would be around soil analysis again. So, let's not obviously. We're still here at beginning of August, soils are very dry, but let's think about making sure we get soils analysed in good time. One I'm particularly interested in is pH. Uh, and we know from some of our work you know sugar beet uh, doesn't like a low pH and we have found a number of fields this is the opportunity to get your soil analysis done measure pH and think about the need for lime if necessary but actually I think when you're doing your soil analysis and particularly when the soil's wetted up may be worth doing your visual assessment as well of fields going into sugar beet so you know we've got guidelines on that in the uh in the BBR reference book, you know, doing those visual assessments just to understand the structure going forward so you can manage that in terms of cultivation. So it just gives you that little bit of extra information. The other one I was probably just going to mention this time, uh, you probably are thinking about nitrogen on, on sugar beet. And obviously uh, this year we recommended because of the cost of fertiliser and the shallow yield response that we, we trim back our nitrogens. Many growers have done that. And I have to say, I've had no growers raise their concerns about crops running out of lack of nitrogen. Of course, with crops being as dry now and turning yellow, it's difficult to see. But I think in the early canopy establishment stage where nitrogen was key, no issues at all. Now, obviously, we are aware the price of beet has gone up for the year, but we've rerun that analysis. And actually, it's still, although the price of beet has gone up, fertilizer price is certainly up 500, 600, 700 pounds a ton for nitrogen, still effectively mean that optimum, that economic optimum, still actually is below the 120 kilo, unless you bought really cheaply at 200, which I doubt, or you might have materially on farm. So I think next year we are looking at a very similar situation when we're recommending to go with 15 to 20% less nitrogen, uh, because cost of fertilizers are still horrifically high but we, you know good feedback in some of the on-farm demos we've done when we put 100 versus 120 kilos side by side uh, we, we see no difference so I think we can have some confidence that uh, that, that will be fine.
0: And just looking at other nutrients because obviously you know fingers crossed we are going to be seeing some rain in early um, August if the crops see that they should pick up I mean it beet be it's really resilient it does grow quickly What other nutrients should growers be looking at um, on their fields?
2: So, yeah, if we're thinking about the crops in the ground now. So, yeah, clearly on our, our lighter land and light sand, sandy loams, you know, crops have lost a lot of their lower leaves, which is part of the response of the plant. It's very clever. It sacrifices its less productive leaves and retains the ability to produce new ones. And when we do get rain, we will see some regrowth. And I would say, depending on the severity of that, how many leaves it's lost, sometimes a well-placed application of trace elements, and I'm thinking manganese, magnesium, possibly boron, may actually help that canopy regrowth. I don't believe it in any nitrogen, because I think there'd be plenty of nitrogen being mineralized from the soil, but actually just to help some of those elements, you know, to help that canopy go. I think it's not a general uh, piece of advice, but I think take every crop or every field by on its own merits, I think, but there is some scope and I think we've alluded to that in the in the bulletin anyhow. Uh, and the other thing you have to watch out is these crops and, and sugar beet does have a great ability to recover from these situations. Uh, they will regrow, but sometimes they will have to borrow some of the sugar from the root to do that. And if you are thinking of hot, first harvested crops just bear in mind if it's had to go through that process of regrowth you might need to give it a little bit longer time for that new growth then to capture convert more sugar and and and, and pay it back into the roots and we've seen that in previous years so just be mindful of that in the first early crops
0: we hope this month's beat cast has provided you with the support that you need And beatcasts are now available for basis points. So for July, if you listen to that one, it's CP forward slash 121591 forward slash 2223 forward slash K. And for this month's, that's the August edition, it's CP forward slash 121746 forward slash 2223 forward slash K. So I hope, along with the support, that you will also appreciate a few more extra points. Um, and if we've got any listeners here, any growers that fancies joining us on Beecast, we'd love to have a chat about Mintil or other cultivation methods that you're using on your farm. So please do contact me at francesca.broom@bbro.co.uk. at bbro.co.uk. So it leads me to wish you well for the rest of the summer and look forward to catching up with you in September. Thank you for listening.